You do what to me? I don't know. That, oh. that, that joke was awful. If you, hmm. I don't mind if you cut that, but I'm, I also I'm, don't mind if you keep it in. I promise you, I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> Go, okay. <laughs> uh, hey, everyone. Uh, we are... Uh, well, we are. We are. We are. I am. That's the name of this episode. And we are some nobodies hey. discussing that episode of Lovecraft Country. Hell yeah. And my name is Dylan, stumbling across the f- starting line... And Zach is here as well. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing great. Watching you uh, fall through this is Man, exciting. Visually, it must be stunning. Yeah. Audibly, I hope everybody doesn't turn the episode off. Not yet. Anyway, uh, we are Some Nobodies, and this is Some Nobodies Review Lovecraft Country, based on the novel of the same name by Matt Ruff, published in 2016. And HBO is currently airing it on their channel right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So this is episode 7, I Am. Zach, would you mind reading the episode summary for the people? Absolutely. And once again, I'll have you know that I added this to IMDb. Perfect. So I'm getting pretty happy about this. Episode 7, I Am. Hippolyta's relentless search for answers takes her on a multi-dimensional journey of self-discovery as Atticus heads to St. Louis to consult an old family friend. Mm -hmm. Spoiler free reviews. What'd you think? I thought, so far, episode 7 out of 10, Mm -hmm. this was the weakest for me personally. I'm going to agree. Not by much. I think it was still good. And not visually. No, visually this episode is leaps and bounds above the others. It was cool. It does a lot of concepts and it executes them pretty well. Yeah. It looks good. All the effects, this is a really effect-heavy episode, Mm -hmm. and all of them look good. I never had a moment where I'm like, that's suspect. Yeah. However, the writing of certain parts of the episode, the pacing of certain parts of the episode... And I would argue the place of the episode in the overall episode structure... I agree. ...all left me feeling like it was a little rushed or a little less yeah. than the rest. I I agree with all those points. I will say, looking, knowing there's three episodes left, I think if those three episodes straight pop, this one needs to be here. I would have liked to have seen it last week... Although, I think that if, if we would have got the Daigu episode this week, we would have felt the same way. Like, this yes. is too far away. The Daigu episode was more immediate to what the episode 5 had ended on. Yeah. And I feel like if this is a breather episode, or it seems to get everybody finally on the same footing. Yeah. Where now everybody is aware of the supernatural. Um, except D, but she can. she's a kid. It seems, based on the coming up, her episode comes up next. Yeah. If this gets everybody on the same footing, good placement in the show. Yeah, I would say this this episode <laughs> felt like an episode in like season three of Lost, where it's its own kind of standalone thing with just scraps of exposition kind of wrapped around it. Like anytime you see Ruby, it's it, it, it's weird the way that they kind of give their storylines shoved into it. it fe- which I guess is what you were saying. It feels like two very separate episodes yeah. cut in half and put together. Because yeah. the first half focuses very much on the gang. And the last half is almost exclusively... Almost exclusively Hippolyta. Yeah. From here on, do we want to get into spoilers? Yeah, let's just go ahead. Alright, let's, let's get into the episode. So, it obviously opens on Hippolyta. And she's trying to figure out this Ori situation. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously getting kind of frustrated. And then it's going to hard cut to a memory of three days ago. And they're in the ruins of the House of Arden. Yep. What were you thinking when you saw that? Um, it made sense to me that they were there. Um, well, because immediately you're like, oh, I'm two episodes behind. 
Yes. I this picks backwards. up immediately after, I think we said four. Four, right. Yeah. So, yeah, we are picking up from two episodes removed, which we had not seen either of these characters until then. Right. And then she finds that picture of D in the yeah. rubble, which is like, ugh, all right. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing ever in that rubble except a... Except what is relevant to the plot. A very nice, colorful yep. picture, but whatever. Uh, and that's when I... I think that's the point where I realized, like... Well, it's the page uh, of Arinthia Blue, isn't it? From, yeah. Yeah. It's the cover of that, which... Yeah. <clears throat> when I saw it like that, I was like, okay, we're, we're in a whole different style of, of show again. And so far, the show does a really good job of mixing genres and styles while keeping the underlying horror yeah. thing. So I was curious, like, okay, what is this style going to be? So then we, we kind of go back and forth. Uh, Hippolyte is back on the bed, and she's remembering she's remembering George, and then as she's kind of laying on her side, she sees the Ori laying there, mm -hmm. and you get that thought going on. And then she remembers right. to, you know, how with most things you have to tilt them on their axes. Yeah. Planets are tilted yeah. in their orbits, yes. So she does that. She's, things start spinning and yeah. lighting up. And then the top pops open, and a key comes out. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm in, immediately. Yeah. Like, right away, I was like, cool, there's something cool. And the key has a little saying around it, which is, every beginning is in time, and every limit of extension in space. Now, I think that I keep reading that sentence wrong. Re read that sentence so that's yes. the correct way. Every beginning is in time, and every limit of extension in space. So it's saying every beginning is set in time. If you look at time and space as different axes, every beginning is on the time axis, and every limit of extension is on the space axis. And then we get two coordinates. Yes. Now, being that it says that what you just said, how the first coordinate is time, when you saw those two coordinates, what... Did you think that was a place on Earth? I, I assume those are physical map coordinates. Just, yeah. Yep. And in real life, they do plot out to a spot in Northeast Kansas. Is that real? Yeah. Negative 95 longitude is Kansas? I believe so. I thought negative 95 would be south of the equator. No, it's just outside Troy, Kansas. Really? Yep. Because negative is west. Oh, maybe I was doing it Latitude like a ladder. Longitude uh, like yeah. that long. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, so just outside of Texas or Kansas. No, just in Kansas. It's like right in the uh, middle of Kansas. It is near Troy, Kansas, in northwest Kansas, where uh, Kansas has that funky like corner. Kansas is almost a rectangle, except that northeast corner. Yeah, yeah. Missouri River messes it up. So we're gonna go right from that to the logo, mm -hmm. which is the orrery. Yeah. And the little... Little retro-futuristic space woman. Which we know immediately is from... Yes. Uh, D's comic. D's comic. So from there we go to Ruby and Christina. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at a gaunt, just yeah. emaciated William and Hillary. They're being, they're preserved. Yeah. So we realize uh, through the conversation that Christina's been doing like a, a blood mm -hmm. like transformation thing. They're both, they're both quote-unquote dead according yeah. to Christina and she has preserved them so she can make a transformation potion out of their blood yeah which Ruby does not like immediately and she asks if uh, this is for revenge for her dead lover mm -hmm. which William used to be and it turned out that like William wasn't necessarily her lover at first but was a person she sought out to teach him kind of a tutor or mentor yeah and um, then yeah Ruby's not exactly happy and Christina tells her like hey they may have come out of his mouth, but they were my words, or something like that. Yeah, because she's like, you lied, mm -hmm. and Christina's like, why didn't we lie? I, I, I told you that 
you know, Darth Vader killed your father, and that was true in a manner of speaking. Right, it wasn't a lie, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, Lying by omission is still a lie. Yeah, and <laughs> through a lot of the conversation, uh, Christina says, the whole truth involves the, the Book of Names and your family. Yeah. And Ruby is just like... You, you can tell that she just wants all the information yeah. possible. We're going to hard cut to the fire inside that one house from inside the art two. lodge yeah we're gonna see the the slave girl run mm-hmm. with the book but this time it's this time not tick it's letty it's letty yeah and she's pregnant yes uh well the woman turns around as she did with tick yep and then letty f- feels her stomach and it's very clear that this is indicating pregnancy yeah and then she burns up and screams and wakes up yeah and then she wakes up feels her stomach just to check to make Seems sure to be i mean i would i would say by the what we know by the end of the episode, yes. it's alluding to the facts, yes. you know, because at first we were, you know, I watched this episode with Suzanne mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, it's because she has Atticus's blood now. Because if the baby's half Atticus, oh. then she'll have Atticus's blood and that's maybe why she's starting to... For the to, fortune. Or yeah. for the, for the, not prophecy. Yeah. Whatever it is. For anything. I... But from with that scene immediately following Christina telling Ruby about her family, I assumed that they were all descended from that woman. Oh. I assumed they were distantly related from okay. that woman. Yeah, well, I guess if they all have the same mom and... Oh, like, Tick and Letty are... Yes. Oh. Well, that's weird. Yes. I hope that's not true. I, I do as well, but I think that would be a nice little bittersweet twist at the end of the show. Yeah. Also, once she checks her stomach after she wakes up, then she leans over and checks to see if Tick was there. Yes, and, and he wasn't. He wasn't. So she goes and finds him, and he is just like dazed, looking out a window or something. Yeah. And it's early morning. You can hear oh, the yeah. birds. He's been up all night after yeah. calling Gia. And he grabs her, and they have a cute little embrace there. Yes. And he kind of like holds her belly. He does. So... That By was the, interesting. the law of fictional portrayal of ma- of pregnancy, she is definitely pregnant. Yeah, they're definitely saying she's pregnant. Whether it is human or not. Ooh, you think it's like a Shoggoth? We did see them deliver a Shoggoth from a cow in that second episode. Yeah, but... I'm not necessarily saying that's happening. Ugh, I hope not. I hope not, too. Then but it, goes, it depends on how dark they want to go with the ending Yeah, that's thing. true. That'd be, oh, like a half-human, half-Shoggoth. That'd something. be pretty sweet. That'd be really cool. I want to see that. But, man, I'd feel for her. I'd, anyway. I equally <laughs> do and do not I know, right? Anyway, go uh, on. So we go from there, uh, and Letty mentions that Hannah, which is the, the slave woman, mm-hmm. uh, that Hannah and the dream, or she mentions about Hannah and her dream, and how she ran out the front door, and Tick kind of looks at her and is like, hey, I've had the same dream as you. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, and as I walk out the door, I... Uh, I wasn't scared. Yeah. And she quickly swerves. She doesn't... But... So that makes me think that Tick doesn't know that she's pregnant because that would be the point where she said, and I was pregnant. Yeah, she she does not tell... She does not mention that part of the dream. Right. Film, for sure. But then she does say that Hannah's trying to tell us something, which Tick doesn't obviously know what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then their conversation goes to the Book of Names and how Tick's mom was the only one who survived the Tulsa riots. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty interesting point that... They don't ever really mention much about his mom, but we do know that she evaded that. They went through Tulsa. Right. Or at least she did. Yeah. And it's it's crazy to think that so many people in this time have been so affected oh, yeah. by so many terrible things. Complete histories wiped out. Yeah. Intentionally 
like just through malice. Yeah, and, but the, like a lot of stuff, like I didn't learn. It was just so yeah. upsetting that so many people were so hurt by things that are very prevalent in our history, but are just not taught. And I, yeah. I hate that. So I'm, I'm really happy with the show once again. I know I say that a lot, but but then they kind of then they kind of realize that the book isn't just of spells, but also instructions on how to use these spells. Yes. Which the the pages that Christine is looking for isn't necessarily instructions, just spells. It's just a part of it. And, and, and Tick says, when Christine is going through the pages, we're going to go through the whole yeah, damn Yeah, the book. revelation that their ancestor got out of there with the whole thing. And that's very cool. It's a, it's a pretty tempting thing to go for. Then the show is going to wrench our hearts a little bit, and it's going to cut to Montrose. And for the first time in, I think, three or four episodes, he doesn't look drunk. He doesn't. He looks very happy. Mm -hmm. And he's walking around, and he, he turns the corner, and Sammy's in the kitchen cooking breakfast. And it's it, it, it's a it's a cutie, you know, at kind of first. Yeah, at, at first. And it turns real quick. Yeah. So Sammy mentions that he saw somebody wearing a scarf that's from um, that's from Marshall Fields, mm -hmm. and says he never saw a black woman in there. Yeah. And Montrose knows exactly who that is. Well, even before that, Montrose gives him a hard time for making breakfast in his place. True. I guess he immediately he immediately I, confronts him. Uh, yeah, I well, guess, at least makes a pointed comment about it. Yeah, I thought I thought for some reason that was like a cutesy banter, like, "Oh, you think you okay?" Can make I guess in hindsight, I can see it now. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but Montrose gets upset because that's his neighbor. Yeah, and if they make that connection, mm -hmm. then he doesn't really want to be known. I guess he doesn't want to be outed. Uh, and it seems like right after that conversation, Montrose starts picking a fight about everything. Oh yeah. Just every, everything is wrong about everything, and Sammy is just not having it. And he walks, like, out of the kitchen mm -hmm. and right into Tick and Letty. As they are approaching the apartment. Yeah. With Montrose grabbing him by the hand with his shirt open. Yeah, off. It is very clear what this situation is. Yeah, and Tick does not take it well. Tick calls him the F word. He calls him that slur. <laughs> which was filthy. Just starts, like, just yelling at him. He has... Yeah, he has an immediate, very visceral reaction to it. Yeah, and he quickly goes to, it's, does mom know? Yeah, did mom, did mom know? Like, did mom know, and yeah. And Montrose is like, yeah. yeah, yep, sure did. And then, so Tick storms off, and Letty's looking there, and Montrose, and once again, such beautiful acting. Oh by yeah, Michael, kept, Williams, like, Michael Williams killed it this episode yeah, again, even though he's only in that he, one scene. He, he, the look that he kind of gives, it, it came off as a bit proud like i'm finally out mm -hmm. but also very very hurt and then once he connects eyes with letty he just looks and goes why'd y'all come here yeah and he knows it like in that moment oh yeah he messed up with sammy messed up with tick messed up with every people on his block probably yep. know now so in his eyes things are not looking good yeah um yeah that's a that's a rough one yeah it's combined with everything else that montrose has done kind of with tick and how Tick is reacting to stuff, it's hard to see them kind of reconciling it. Yeah. Unless, unless one of them But Montrose has a lot of information, though. He does. Montrose read a lot of books. He did. So, hopefully that, that's that's a way in. So, Letty's gonna, Letty's gonna find Tick outside, mm -hmm. and he's like... He's beating up on... Really hissy he's, spinning he's outside. He's hitting stuff. <laughs> yeah. he's, having, he's having a man tantrum. Yeah, mantrum. Mantrum. They call it that? I think that's what you chant when you're meditating. That's a mantrum. Mo no, I'm pretty sure that's Tick's dad. That's Montrose's. <laughs> uh, and then she kind of swerves the conversation quickly 
and uh, has to hop back on the plot line and well, talks about how St. Louis is the place they got to be. Right. Well, Tick talks a little bit about how the mo- the biggest reason he's reacting this way is because his dad used to beat up on him because he didn't want him to be soft, and now he realizes that was more him projecting his own perceived softness as a gay man onto his son and hitting him. Yeah, or just having just that internal anger yeah. at the world for not being right. able to be who he is. Um, it is... It's it's it, a rough yeah. scene for both of them. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is an acting scene, and uh, Atticus really struggles with mm-hmm. why his dad taught him to be so hard yeah. I guess it's it, it it was it was a really really good scene and it, it's heartbreaking and Letty says St. Louis St. Louis so we're gonna cut to uh, Hippolyta and she's trying to do the checklist outside yeah. of Woody like they used to do and Dee's just not having it she's like I don't want to do this checklist nope. anymore because it was a tradition she used to do with her father yeah that was her and George's thing oh yeah um, and as she's leaving, Tick comes up and he asks if he can use the car. Well, did, did you notice as soon as Tick and Letty walked up that Ruby did? Oh yeah, Ruby, like Ruby's taking care. Ruby's taking care of D. Yeah. She's telling Hippolyta that they'll have a party. Tick and Letty walk up and Ruby turns around and walks away. Yeah, just rolls. Understandable. So Tick asks if he can use Letty, uh, if he can use Woody. <laughs> as she is sitting in the driver's seat, about to back up. Yeah, and she's like, "You can see that I'm using it," and she just pretty much dips. Um, they have a little argument about the guide, and it's pretty clear that Hippolyta is not enthused with how little information she's been giving. Right. Given. Yeah. Tick and Letty kind of quickly discuss that they might have to take a bus. Tick suggests that Letty go and talk to Ruby, and I guess he just go by himself. So she goes inside, she finds Letty, and or she she finds Ruby, and Ruby is in the window looking real cool. Yeah. Like she's, she's hanging real cool. Well, and we get a short little scene of the kids playing. They ask Bobo's back, yeah. which is another reference to Tillman. Right. Which is very relevant even this week. Well, yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. It's spe- oh, yeah. And then you think of like the, the episode name of next week, too. What's the episode name of next week? Jigabobo. So, All right. that's going to be a tough one. Letty finds Ruby in the window looking real cool, and she asks where Ruby's staying. And Ruby's swerving that conversation quickly, mm-hmm. and she um, she kind of talks about the last fight, and about the money, and about the mom. They lay a fair amount of stuff on the table. Yeah, it's pretty quick that Ru- that Lay feels that she's being a lot like her mom, and yes. she's very apologetic about that. And that's when that's when Ruby says, "Well, mom actually never apologized for anything, so yeah, you're not that bad, you know." Yeah, <coughs> um, they 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 seem to be at least. In the process of reconciling. Yeah. At least at the start. It seems to be the start of it. But my question is, Ruby knows where the money came from now. Right? Tick does. We've never seen confirmation that Ruby knows it. See, I I, I feel like, and I guess I can't prove this, but I would just have assumed by her and Christina's... Whatever, whatever right. they're doing, there'd be some conversation I don't know. about we that. We haven't seen that, yeah, but sure. it is very possible that she shared that information with Ruby. Yeah, well, because we don't know what. By the end of this episode, we still don't know what Christina told Ruby to get her to kind of inform on them. Yeah, because she is. Oh, absolutely. But we don't know what Christina told her exactly to get her fully on her side. Yeah. So we're going to cut from that conversation to Hippolyta and. 
she's in the car headed to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas. She, Kansas, yeah. <laughs> I keep saying Texas. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, going to Texas. And she looks in the, the river mirror and there's a motorcycle. I thought it was a cop. I was upset. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And it turns out that it was just a black woman. So it's, it's a woman on a motorcycle. Yeah, having a she's good time. having a good time. She's wearing a scarf. She looks yeah, good. Looks great. She's she looks like she's roughly Hippolyta's age. They seem they have a little like kind of acknowledgement, yeah. and then she motorcycles off. And Hippolyte is listening to French music. Yeah. And she's singing along because she knows French. Yeah. She's obviously very like intel like educated and intelligent. Yeah. Now it turns out Suzanne told me this that in the book. Woody has kind of a magic spell on the car okay. where people can't see them if they're in the car. Like, white people can't see them okay. or dangerous people can't see them. Something like that. Yeah, so probably a sanctuary When thing she was watching it, she's like, oh, that's kind of like a weird oh, interesting okay. way to show that, but I'm not sure if that's... Because yeah. we also don't know right. that. Right. Um, so then she digs through her lunchbox mm-hmm. and she pulls out the... Uh, a, the a Blue cover. Yeah, the it? cover that Dee yeah. makes. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, it's interesting to think that when we saw Dee drawing this cover, she was using a picture of her mom yeah. as reference. And then knowing how this show spans out, it is interesting how they did this very fake interstellar thing. Oh, yeah. Because it's not, it, it isn't. Oh, no. It it's, isn't looping. It's like, It's no. almost the thing where she wakes up and it's like, oh, that was a dream of the time. A little, almost. Kind of. Not exactly that, but... Um, so, then we're going to hard cut to St. Louis. Uh, Tick and... Now, this woman was the mother's cousin's friend? Or the, just a friend of the mother's? Or the mother's cousin? I think the mother's cousin. Okay, cool. I, I didn't really get that. Um, but they're having dinner, at her and Tick, and they're just chatting about old times. Tick is plugging her for information. Oh, yeah. And he quickly yeah. goes to the book of names. <coughs> and she says, oh, those white folk burn like up burned everything. Burned up everything yeah. in Tulsa. And then we're going to hard cut to Mayfield. Yeah. And it's a huge observatory yeah. and a huge moon. It looks beautiful. Uh, we get Hippolytic kind of leaving the car, mm-hmm. going towards the thing, and it's going to start side cutting. And then we have uh, Dee and Letty, and the kids are playing cards. Mm-hmm. Did you recognize the other two kids? Were they the same kids? As I think the they were the same kids from yeah. the Ouija board scene. Um, Letty heads to the kitchen, and Ruby's cooking. And Letty asks her again, pretty much like, hey, where are you staying? And this time she responds with, oh, I'm staying on the north side. So with a white man. Yeah, she's with a white man, yeah. Um, Ruby once again swerves uh, to Tick not paying any rent. And she's she's kind of teasing yeah, ribbing her she's a little teasing bit. teasing her for, you know, I'm sure he's good around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Ruby asks Letty to taste the sauce, and Letty smells it, and... Letty has a very strong reaction physically. To garlic. <clears throat> Did you think vampires at all? Uh... <sighs> Maybe not. Not when I was watching it. I thought that her aversion to garlic was so like, like a in my thing? face that I was like, "This is garlic." But she does go. She runs away and she kind of has like that morning sickness kind of yeah. look to her. So I'm I'm really guessing that they're leaning hard on letting us know she's pregnant oh, yeah. or she's a vampire. Mornings, <laughs> two ends of the spectrum right there. And I will say this: vampires also have morning sickness what? if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pretty good. Um, it's more like an all-day sickness. Yeah. I I didn't know if garlic caused visceral reactions in like pregnant women as like a something. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you hear like rumors of like 
weird cravings of or course. stuff. But it was it, it seemed like it was so pointed to garlic. Yes. And without yes. other mention of her not liking garlic. She specifically it, asks if there's garlic in it. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting go to. But it's a red sauce. Yeah. So it should have Of course there is. Yeah, of course. I, I might cut this out, but I just need to tell you this because I, I, Suzanne's like, you know, I'm gonna call it. I think she's pregnant. And I'm like, just now. I'm like, Suzanne, <laughs> they're giving us so many hints. <laughs> and she's like, no, I called it. I'm like, when? <laughs> the first scene is her <laughs> Literally her first appearance in this episode. It's her like, uh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's funny. So we're gonna cut back to Tick looking at pictures, and he sees. Uh, yeah. A birthmark yeah. that is similar. Now, have we seen that birthmark on his shoulder previously? I don't. I don't think remember so, seeing it. But there was a scene in episode three, I think, where they stripped him down, okay. and they might have. We might have seen it, and I guess that they quickly. Sure. But th- I don't. It's not in my brain. Me neither. But he knows it. Yes. <laughs> so uh, he looks at it, and uh, the phone call. Uh, the, the, the phone calling in the background, and the woman comes out and she's like, "It's for you." Yeah. And it's Letty. And Letty is in the room of her house, in the room of Dee's house, where the Ori's in there. Yes. And she's like, yo, she stole that Ori. Yep. She has the Ori here. She has and She it. activated it I'm somehow. I'm looking at it. It's going off. Like, the lights are going off. And Letty thinks that Hippolyta knows the truth about George. And yes, we see Ruby kind of spying in the she at least doorway. Says, we, she at least says that Hippolyta knows we didn't tell her everything. Yeah. Which is a good good thing to assume, probably, at this point. Yeah. I don't know if that matters as much. And I also don't really know why they don't tell Hippolyta the truth. At a certain point, I feel like they should have sat her down and yeah. been like, Hey, this is going to sound whack. There's some weird stuff going on. Your husband was shot by a dude and brought back <laughs> when Tick was going to be sacrificed to open a door to the Garden of Eden by a bunch of white dudes. But the spell went bad and vaporized everybody and then the house collapsed. Do you need a minute? I can repeat any of that if you need me to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they really should have told her. So we're going to cut back to Hippolyta, and she's in the telescope thing, and she's really trying to work... She's really trying to work it. She's having a, like, savant moment. Yeah, and there's, like, this really cool puzzle thing, and she starts kind of, like, rotating these numbers... Mm-hmm. Rotating these things, and, like, the numbers are rolling, and she's kind of repeating some equations... And then you kind of do like this beautiful mind thing yeah. where like you get these equations rocking around her. All the stuff shows up projected onto the space around her. Yeah, and she's doing some like long math mm-hmm. on the back of the guidebook and she comes to the solution. And she goes back and she hears people talking because she's like, oh, I know what the, the, <clears throat> the answer is. So two white cops come down. Yes. And immediately hair stands up on my oh, skin. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. Hippolyta hides, and it really doesn't. I have never watched a show where I straight up hate white people before. Like, every <laughs> time one comes on screen, it's Ugh, like, oh, yeah. come on, man. Like, I'm just yeah. going to watch this. <laughs> which, which is a very interesting right. feeling. Um, but she kind of hides, but they find her. And as they're interrogating her, uh, we hear something, and Tick just spears one of these guys. He shows up. Yeah, and he starts fighting these dudes. Yeah. I'm like, how, how did... How did he get did? here? But I guess... I guess Letty could have given him the coordinates. I assumed Letty gave him the coordinates, but but he would have had to get on a bus or something. Also, and it's not you, it's not you, close to Chicago. And how do you find out coordinates? Like in the fifties, a map. Oh, I guess the map is have it on there, right? A map will have it on there. Yeah, oh, like an, at- an atlas will have coordinates on there. Yeah, I guess that makes um, sense. But it's 
it's an, it's the first time in this episode where I felt this is convenient. It was convenient timing for having left Chicago. A lot of this, a lot of this episode is convenient. Yes, yeah. this is the first where I really f- I, I had excused it until here, and then this was the first time where I'm like, this is for the story. This yes. doesn't necessarily make sense in the in the time of the setting. Yeah, it's fine. And the cops were saying something as they're walking down. They're like, "How do you get this machine to work?" Or something stupid. So, how do you know how to turn this on? Yeah. So, so something was going on outside to make the cops show up. I would assume. I assume they're in on it. Which is just dumb. Like, I don't know why they showed up there. I don't know how Tick got there that fast. But okay, it so happens. we're gonna move that. So as they're fighting, um, a rift opens up. Uh, several times. And it's like kind of it's kind of cycling through. Yeah. Did you think it was universes or do you think it was time? I assumed it was. I assumed it was either like planets or dimensions. Yeah. Um, I was thinking and it like spasms open and shut, and every time it opens up again, it shows a different setting. Yeah, I was thinking it was probably time. Yeah. But universes would be cool too. Yeah. Uh, planets would be even cooler. Um, but Tick throws one of the cops <laughs> into the rift. Oh yeah. And then Hippolyta shoot, just shoots the other cop. Strikes me as pretty reckless if you think it might be a time thing, because who knows what he's going to do back in, like, 900 AD. I mean, he's a white guy, so he's going to be fine. Yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but still, it's, it's just odd. But I think if there was a rift going on around me, and I was in a fight, I would throw somebody in there. Yeah. That'd be my first move, I think. <laughs> it at least gets rid of them, at least as far as I would guess. So, so yeah, she shoots the other cop, and then she is clearly affected by what she's done. Well... And they're kind of like walking away and they get pulled into it. They get yes. sucked into the rift. And Hippolyta warp, warps to the coordinates from earlier. They show the coordinates and it was the same ones as earlier. Um, but it's on like a new world with a new weird light it source. It is a big twisty building or structure at least. Yeah. It's a big twisty structure. And then there are two flashes of light on the ground in front of her. And I thought they were robots at first. Uh, me too. Uh... They are armored figures yep. in like neon purple and black enameled armor. Very cool looking. Pretty cool looking Tron-ish. design. Yeah. Yeah. And then they shine some light on her. And yep. then she wakes up. She wakes up naked on a table. And yeah. she looks at her wrist and she's got like just something on her wrist, like some kind of mechanics or something. I assumed they were like they had removed a rectangle of skin yeah. and then put a barrier over it. Uh, I didn't know what I didn't think. know what to... I'd Later on, we see, like, something yes. kind of forming around it, and even the, this, this large Afro lady, who I don't know what, what she is, but she, she says at one point, like, you don't need that anymore. Yeah. So, I, I'm not really sure what that was. The Afro lady comes in, and she's wearing the same suit as the two figures before. Uh, the door's open. Yeah. And it's a black woman wearing the armor that we saw. Yeah. And she has a massive triangular... Beautiful hair. It reminds me of the girl from Steven Universe. Did you ever watch Steven Universe? I never watched it, but I know what you mean. Yeah, just yeah, it massive, is. It beautiful is, hair. Like we're talking whiter than she is, and it's a pretty. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. And Hippolyta goes, "Who are you?" And she just goes, "I am." I am. I'm like, "All right." Yeah, come on. All right, come on. What are you? <laughs> yeah. Come on, Hippolyta. And then they do this thing where it's like, "When are you?" And then they show three more coordinates, and we get this feeling that like time is elapsing. Yeah. And. She, we see that she's like ripping her sleeves off for some mm-hmm. reason, but if you if you look, her costume is starting to change into D's cover. Like a that's kind of how the cover look, looked a little bit. Um, and then there's three more coordinates, and one. This is when I was like, okay, this is obviously like a time jump of mm-hmm. some sorts. 
So she's starting to sound kind of crazy. And she's talking to herself a lot. She's saying almost equations, but talking to herself a lot. Yeah. She rips off a piece of something that's in that room and it just floats away. And then she rips off another piece and it floats again. Floats away. And she's like doing more equations. And she, at some point, just pries open a panel mm-hmm. and unscrews a coax cable. Bunch of, <laughs> yes, it looks like a, it looks like a plug for an amp cord, for yeah, a guitar for an electric guitar. And then the door opens, and that very large Afro woman yeah. comes in, and she blasts her with this, you know, mm-hmm. with something. And the alien asks her to name herself. Say, name yourself. Where do you? Who do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Yeah, who do you want to be? be where do you want to be? And she just says. In Paris with Josephine Baker. Yeah. And she goes. And then she goes. It dissolves into what looks like a neuron. Yeah. Like it, it, it reminds me of like a better version of Virtuosity, if you remember that movie. I don't. God. I gotta talk to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that kind of neuron, like as if you're going into a simulator, just yeah. that effect. And they cut right to her being on stage, and she doesn't know how to dance. No. And then Josephine Baker shows up. Yeah. And Hippolyta is just entranced. And the show ends with all the women just like taking her tops off. And Hippolyta doesn't do it for some reason. <laughs> because she's shocked. She doesn't know what to expect. Yeah, she's she, still in shock. That's true. She, she is in shock, yeah. Um, for those so, who don't know who Josephine Baker was, she was, a Amer- she was an American-born French performer, African-American-born, mm-hmm. um, who wound up being kind of like, not a freedom fighter, but she was aiding. She helped the French Resistance during World War II, so it's interesting to see that pulled into this. Yeah, show. But it also works with the theme very much. So, yeah. as we see later, I think this is actually the best part of the show. Yes. Um. So, the girls in backstage are kind of giving her a hard time about not knowing, mm-hmm. her, you know, her steps. And Josephine starts talking to her about just getting better. Like, I, yeah. like, I get where you're coming from. Get better. It's un- I understand. I've had both those bad nights, but oh, what is it? You got to be on it tomorrow. You got to be on it tomorrow. Yeah. So they show Hippolyta practicing, and then it's a little montage of her having yeah. a really good time with Josephine Baker. Yeah. Frida Kahlo shows up. Yeah. All- briefly. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a nice little montage of a very happy time, uh, and. Later on, she references how free mm-hmm. she, she's she, allowed to exist yeah. outside of the structure that she's been raised in, and see what the experience could have been somewhere else. Yeah, and she has a really cool conversation with Josephine Baker, where uh, Josephine was like, "Look, anybody can be a movie star, but to feel like an actual star." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool thing because yeah. is so into stars and uh, really nice conversation piece. Um, the talk then goes to freedom. And the layers of freedom, you know, being black, where she felt that she was free because she was, I guess, in some people's opinion, like an intelligent black yeah. woman, where she was given some freedoms, but but not real. She is still she's restrained still, by the society she was born into. Yeah, she's still a black person. Yeah, she's still a woman. Um, and this montage of her with this dancing French company is the freest of that. Yeah, I think she's ever been oh, yeah. or felt. Um, and it's unclear how much time she spends here. Yeah, but at some point she she says, sometimes I just want to kill white folks. And then she says that she hates herself. And Josephine's like, who else do you hate? Mm-hmm. And it's like a, it was a really cool thing where you could see that Hippolyta is kind of moving inward. Yeah. And she says, 
I'm Hippolyta. Yeah. And then just dissolves. Dissolves again. And then she's in, like, I think ancient Africa? I suspect. I, I thought that it was until I saw guns later. And I'm yes. like, okay, it's not that far back, but still. Well, and the set decoration as well. Yeah. Seems to lead towards that. Yeah, it does seem like it's a it's a tribal. This is this is an anachronistic scene. I don't think this is supposed to be perfectly analogous to anything on our version of Earth. No, it looked like three hundred, kind of. A little of. bit. Like it had like that kind of feel. Like war. Yeah. There was uh, there was like a warrior, and her name Nawi. Nawi, yeah. They're training her with on sword combat. Yeah, and Nawi's doing like this really cool like rousing mm-hmm. uh, speech about. You know, power and being independent and being free, and she uh, like Hippolyta kind of does this weird thing where she tries to, like sweep her leg with it. Yeah, knife, yeah. Whatever. Well, uh, we've all been there. Who doesn't? Then, who hasn't tried to sweep a leg? I can't say that I have. I uh, okay. I mean, haven't. you weren't nerdy enough. You haven't successfully, or you haven't ever tried. Oh, I've tried. Okay, yeah. Well, ne- that's what I'm saying. Never successful. Me neither. Yeah. Unless you, I mean, like eight year olds is pretty easy. I'm too tall to sweep people's legs. You just wind up kicking him in the chest or well, something. Just when you see me like ducking quickly and spinning, you're like, "What's this guy doing?" We oh, tripped. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, watch out. Um, the ground shakes. <laughs> then we're gonna go to another time montage of uh, Hippolyta battling people. Yeah, she's training. And she's, she's getting better, and then she finally wins, and she gets a gorgeous helmet. It's a pretty cool head, like headdress helmet. Very cool. It's got a very cool uh, banister. Is that what it's called? No. I didn't think so. No. That's, what, um, that's what's down the side of steps, right? I mean, yes. Oh. Uh, banner? <laughs> I think Headdress. it's called a helmet. Crest? I think it's called a crest when it's on a helmet. A cowl? It, it's similar. It looks like it's supposed to evoke the Legionnaire helmet from yeah. Rome with the horse crest, but it is longer, and it's... Fe- no, it's not feathers. It's like... It's like a mantle or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fur or something. Looks like good. Yeah, it looks great. But then we go to her kind of, like, leading this, like, a battalion. She's giving him a speech. Yeah. She's giving him a really good speech about yeah. freedom and, and what that means and uh, how powerful it is to be a yeah. woman. Um, and then... Yeah, the whites start charging. Not just whites, Confederate soldiers. Is that what they are? Yeah, they're wearing the tan that Confederates wore. God. And um, they have the saber. They're very... They're. I think they're supposed to be Civil War like Confederate soldiers, which is why I thought this was an anachronistic spot which makes me feel like this is either constructed by her mind inside whatever weird cosmic simulation she's undergoing yeah or she is going into very alternate realities like every step she takes is one removed from the one she came from yeah and now she is just in pure like confederate versus zulu and i'm not saying these are zulu warriors but yeah just the basic idea, yeah. Deadliest um, warrior universe. They definitely... S- <laughs> yeah, this versus that. Um, because they, they make a point to say that she is an adventurer later. Yes. And so I would assume that she has, like, a wild imagination. So it, it makes sense that this is what her brain would want. And there's a little bit... There is a part of Lovecraft's original works which deal with trans uh, transporting between dimensions. Like, um... The Plateau of Lang is a different dimension that you can access from Earth. Uh, Roulier is might be a different dimension you access from Earth. So I assumed that it was her cosmic hopping yeah. in some manner. I assume that what she experiences here is all real. I'm assuming that what she does here is real. To her, definitely. To her. Yeah. But it, it is interesting that it's kind of aspects of her, of her personality. Oh, yeah. The first one we get is... 
the artistic, um, free, yeah. m maybe even s bisexual or whatever. There's uh, definitely sexual liberation in yeah, that. Yeah, the scene. second one is straight power. This is a power trip. Straight trip. ferocity. Yeah. And then at the end of this part, she says, after killing a bunch of those Confederate dudes, um, she says, I'm Hippolyta, mm -hmm. George's wife. Yeah. And then it cuts to the scene from the very first episode. Yeah. Which was she wakes up in bed with George. Yeah, and it, and that's Ugh. how that scene started Man. in the very beginning, and that was, it is feathers. I'm just saying. Fe oh, yeah, there are feathers. Anyway, um, and that scene was one of the first like romantic scenes from episode one that yeah. I, I remember talking about. She lays it all out on the table. So when when she got to a bed, I was like, oh my god, they're doing a dream thing, and I was so upset about mm. that. Um, but then Hippolyta Hippl tells George everything. Yeah, she tells him everything. Oh yeah, and I think that's great. <laughs> Because it's the one thing that they should have done with her to begin with. Mm -hmm. George lied about some stuff with her, mm -hmm. held her back from stuff. She lays um, everything out on the table, including <coughs> including all of the weird supernatural stuff. Yeah. And I know at least in my relationships, I've always had an open policy where it's like, hey, if you ever experience like a time gap or something, or like you feel like you've lived the same day over and over again, tell me your experience in the time loop and I'll believe you. Yeah. Yeah, I'll why not? It. I'll yeah. believe you. Say something. Don't don't lie to me about it. But if you wake up one day and you're like, hey, I've been in the time loop for the past 500 years and watch what I can do. Yeah. I'll be like, all right, I'll try and help you out. Cool. Yeah. Or like, you know, we've talked about clone tests. But he does this thing where he immediately believes her. Yeah. But then just says, then is this real? Is this real? Right. Which is, yeah, it's good. It's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah. And she's like, well, it feels real. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and after... And George says that after you, after everything you saw and after your adventures, you named yourself my wife. And I, I understand why he says that, but that is probably the one thing she did not want to hear. No. Because that straight just itemizes her. But it could have been what she needed to hear because her next little processing bit is her realizing that she shrunk herself. Yes. But then also blames him for continuing it, which... True. He did, and he acknowledges yes. it. And he sincerely apologizes for that. Yeah. Um, but she says a couple things that was really interesting. Um, she says that she, that she can finally name that thing that's been eating at her, and as you... Whenever we do see her, you can tell that she's, like, gnawing at something. Mm -hmm. And at first she's like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not tired, I'm not sad... I, I'm not missing him even I thought I was, but she realized that she was angry. And she was angry because she was shrinking herself. And and I think it's because, and the way she puts it is that she named a star when she was very yeah. young, and that's like a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then from then on, she hasn't really done anything except just be George's becoming wife. like a, just a uh, housewife. Well, and it, it echoes that conversation they had in that first episode where she goes, I'll come on the guide trip with you. Yeah. Well, no, it's not safe. I used to do it. Well, right now it's not safe. Yeah. So it echoes back to that where they had kind of set that up early on. Yeah, and, and I know what it's like being like being a man and wanting to protect people, but you have to oh, realize yeah. sometimes that people don't need protecting; yep. they, they need to do stuff on their own. And I think that was a really cool moment for George, even though I don't His know if Spectre? he's there. <laughs> so, George's Spectre. Yeah, um, but it is at least Hipp if it if that part is all internal from Hippolyta, then it is at least her reconciling George's memory. With how she felt about him. Oh, absolutely. And how he's gone now. But then it goes to her being a discoverer. Yes. And then they shake hands. Yeah. And it's really... I thought that was really beautiful. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's an... It's definitely a 
interesting choice. I think I think it's more interesting than I gave it credit for at first because I think that it's his acknowledgement of her as an equal, yeah. Instead of his acknowledgement of her as a woman, that's, his that's wife a good or anything way to else. Put like, it. You know, when a man greets a man, they shake hands. Yeah. They're on equal territory. So you know, I know that you know when you shake when you meet a woman, it's like. Oh. Do you shake their hand? They want to be, you know, right. and it's stupid. But I felt that was a very cool acknowledging yeah. thing where they they are actual equals, because then, like lights kind of come out like, around her, yeah, you know, her thing. <laughs> they and make around, an unbreakable vow. Yeah, and I, yeah, and it was beautiful. Yeah, um, no, it was very good. And then it cuts to and there's three more coordinates, and. George is in like an astronaut suit. It is retro space suit. So cool looking. Here. Hippolyta has a hoop skirt with yep. the planets on their orbits. Blue hair, and she looks exactly like Dee's cover. Yeah. And they're coming out of the spaceship, and these weird blobular aliens like come out to meet them. Yeah. And they're exploring the whole world. It's it's them exploring with themselves as equals. Yeah. They're both exploring this world they're together. They're both doing science. Yeah. yeah. They're both doing it. And I think that's what she wanted the whole time. Was that just is what she wanted. To work with George. Yeah. Now, I wish that I found what this audio clip was. Because this is that thing they do in the show where it's this beautiful audio clip of, like, some kind of just poem or written word. And it's about yeah. how black people are a myth. So the Black Forest myth is by Sun Ra and his orchestra. That's the ba- The group name is Sun Ra. And then it's from an album called... Black Myth Out in Space by Sun Ra and his Intergalactic Research Orchestra. Uh, it is a spoken word slash rap slash presented piece about black people being a myth based on how they are effectively just ignored or at best in this era of time. Yeah. And that's the that's the audio playing over their exploration through these space worlds. Uh, those who don't know what Afrofuturism is, it is a speculative fiction genre which imagines a sci-fi future primarily based on the African diaspora culture and technology. Like Wakanda. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Actually. Especially like uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' version of of Wakanda is very Afro-futuristic. Yeah. um, Which is what they they based the movie on. Okay. Uh, Janelle Monae, a lot of her music and imagery takes on themes of that. Mm. Yeah. I like her stuff. Very good. So, we got these two explorers, and the scene, like you said, is gorgeous because they're both exploring, they're both learning, they're Mm -hmm. both collecting pieces, and then at some point, they seem very happy. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then our big, huge, square afro lady shows up. Black goddess. She looks great. She is presented as a space goddess. Yeah, it's very ethereal, it's very just beautiful, she's definitely a god. Yeah. And she kind of comes back to Hippolyta and... Hey, you can join us now. Yeah, she wants to... She said it's it's time for a change or assimilate. You've you've ascended. Yeah, and then Hippolyta's like, oh, what if it doesn't work? Can I just go back? And I think that's cool because yeah. no one ever asked that. And, yeah. and you know, things like, sure, I'll do it. But she's like, well, if it doesn't work... And then as she's contemplating it... which Home is, is the wrong word. Yeah. How can I fit everything that I've become into that such yeah. a small spot? I like that. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I got the implication that she had spent a long time mentally hopping these worlds. Yeah. And the three we saw are not the only ones she went to. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely get that. But then at the end, she's like, but Dee needs me. Yep. And there's no... She doesn't really have any conflict in that. She's like, I got yeah, a daughter. That's it. Yeah. I gotta go. Yeah. 
and we're gonna cut right to Tick coming out of the rift. Now immediately I'm like, what did he do? Right. What did he see? And then we see what he has in his hand. And it's a book of Lovecraft Country. It's called Lovecraft Country. It's a novel written by George Freeman. Yes. That's so interesting. That's something. That did you get do you get in the mouth of madness vibes from that a little bit? No, but I would like to have. I got a little bit of that, where, like, you know, the end of the movie, Sam Neill's watching yeah. himself on screen. Yeah. I, like, I mean, I feel like it might be a little too obvious for that to be the book. Yeah. But there's something in there, and I wonder how much of this is going to take on a meta-textual I narrative. I don't I don't <clears throat> think that it would, because that's kind of what... It, did you watch the show Dark on Netflix? I've seen a few episodes. That's the kind of thing they do, where, like, they kind of go back in time, yes. and they say, you got to write this book. Um... I don't think so, but... You don't think they're going to hop out of the TV screen and talk to Jordan Peele and Misha Green? That would be nice. And they're like, hey, we're the characters that you're putting on TV. And they're like, we didn't actually write you. Some white dude wrote you. Oh. And it's like, wait, what? Dude, that'd be so cool. That'd be interesting. It would be a complete and utter departure from the tone we've seen so far. It would make me love the show forever. I, I would... I would la- I'd laugh really hard at the brazen... Like, boldness of doing that on yeah. a wide-release TV show. Now, so once... I Tick, don't think they're going to do that. Yeah. But he has that book, and he, like, punches the machine, because when he comes out of the thing, there's, like, alarms going off and everything. Well, he's trying to get... He's trying to reactivate it to get Hippolyta back, and it just shuts down. Because it got shot during the conflict with the cops. Right. I thought he was trying to shut it off, because now there's dead cops there. I mean, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, he probably... That's fine. But then he, he dips. Oh, he leaves. Yeah, he, he runs. And the, pan, the, the camera pans down. Yep. And it's to... Arinthia Blue, written by Deanna Freeman. Now, so, okay, let's say they have the comic. Yeah. How do they get to Chicago from there? They drive. (laughs) God, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) But how do they link Chicago D? Because Freeman, I would assume, is, is a pretty popular name. Yes. D's young enough, which means she's probably not in the system. Whatever system you've existed now, sure. no, you're you're 100 right. I'm just curious how they get from Kansas to Chicago. The, the surveillance state is not nearly as prolific as it is in our current time, back right. in the 50s. So you're right. Yeah, but I don't know how, I how many Freemans are there. Yeah. In but but why would they think? Because you would think like okay, they would look for Freemans in that area. Mm-hmm. But why would they? Th- I don't know. I guess we'll find out later. But it. It kind of harkens back to my criticism of this episode is a lot of convenience. Yeah. Like, because when we see the page, la- when we see that cover for the last time, it is in Hippolyta's clutch, which she closes. Yeah. So somehow it slipped out and fell under the cop's arm. Yeah. Which I might have missed. But Maybe. Compiled, also, it went, it went through the rubble. <clears throat> compounded with the rest of... There are certain narrative shortcuts taken in this episode. Yeah. Which... From my point of view, I could I spotted them immediately. Yeah. Of of this whole episode, A, what do you think the key is for? Did the key go to the machine? Yes. Oh, it did. Okay. Yeah. I completely missed That's that fine. somehow. Um, I guess my new A, which is going to yeah. be, what of this episode is important? Hippolyta is now on the same supernatural footing as the rest of the characters. But... There's a rift between their friendship. Yes. So that almost doesn't mean anything. She is at least aware of the wider state of things. Okay. I also think Ruby's separation from 
the rest of them. Yeah. She is pretty clearly informing on them for Christina. She's team Christina. I think mean, that's important. Yeah. Uh, the cops coming for D. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a conflict with the cops and Lancaster. Oh, you... I didn't watch the next week on. I must, I did. Okay. I'm not saying that due to that. I'm saying that because uh, yeah, there's I mean, no reason to show the page. Right. Unless it comes into play it. later. Yeah. Uh, which I think is going to lead into a confrontation with Lancaster. Okay. The, the chief. Yeah. With the whatever torso. Right. And I'm going through the rest of the episode, kind of. And Lovecraft Country show version. Whatever the, whatever's in that book, and I think Tick's experience in the portal is going to come back. I think those are the big ones. Yeah. What do you think is in that book? Like, what do you think that book is about? I have no idea. It's, you think it's Adventures of George on a Road? <sighs> I honestly don't know. That's so... I want to say... Yeah, that... I want to say it has an importance that, as to, like, unlocking where the book is. Yeah. But I don't know how you can do that without it coming across like kind of either contrived or something... I mean, yeah. so far this show has eluded my predictions, except for Montrose being gay. Yeah, you're very happy about that. that. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'll say that, that that is the most interesting part of this episode. Yeah. So. And overall, I think this week, for me, was a little bit of a dip. But yeah. I don't think it was very drastic. Because I was, I was wondering, I was like, if you could take this episode away, would it matter? And so far, I don't think there's much in this episode... <coughs> To be uh, determined. Unless, yeah, that, that, yeah, unless. I think it's a little early to say. That. I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think it's a little early to say that. Um, next week is called Jigabobo. Yes. What do you think about that? The summary is on HBO. It is. Yeah. What does it say? So, uh, episode eight: A distraught Diana finds herself in Captain Lancaster's crosshairs. When a visitor from his past arrives at a boarding at the boarding house, Atticus and Letty each take steps to protect their future. So we might see G. Aubrey ma- return. Yeah, I hope she needs to. I hope so. Yeah, I hope they don't have her as a one episode wonder, like uh, like Yahima was. I, I feel agree. like I feel like they fridged her. It that's them, upsetting. Them, yeah. them, my mistake. I feel like they fridged them, which is unfortunate in a show that seems to very much value representation and inclusion. Because I completely agree. For those who don't know, women in refrigerators is the name of a trope. In which case in which women, female characters, are generally used as a tool to be violently acted upon so they can motivate the male hero to act at, in, in a vengeful manner. Mm-hmm. Named after, I believe, one of the Green Lantern's wives. Yep. Yeah. Where she's only created just to kill her. Yes, yep. and she is found stuffed into a refrigerator dead. So stupid. It is unfortunate this trope continues to this day. With any luck, it is not present in this one, but we'll see. All right. Do you have any predictions for next week? Uh, Tick gets angry. Letty calms him down. Diana is the star. Hippolyta confronts someone about lying to her. And Ruby spies for Christina. Yeah, pretty obvious. I don't, I don't have too much. That's cool. Well, that's all we got, guys. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Tune in next week when we're going to talk about this next episode. Right? We have three episodes left. We do. I'm excited. This is a really good. It's been, yeah. It I've is. also been... Uh, I've been catching up on Raised by Wolves too. It's it's so, it's so cool. Good. It's it's like a shot of pure sci-fi to my veins. It's I've never lovely. wanted someone to pull their eyes out so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Um, okay. If you want to hear anything else that we do, do uh, season one of a podcast. Podcast. A podcast show just wrapped. 
season one of Silicon Angels, our sci-fi mini thriller slash comedic whatever whatever, also wrapped up, so you can find that anywhere. You're listening to Lovecraft Country, which is cool, and you can also find Talking Upstream, which is our 90-minute workshop roundtable conversation where Dylan and I, we just make up stories. Um, and if you want to support this or anything we're doing in the future or anything we've done in the past for whatever reason, you can go to patreon.com backslash some nobodies. And a couple people we want to say thanks to, we have Scott Curtis, we have uh, Sarah Tkachuk, I'll or, take all these. Or as written down, Tkachuk. Hey, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make sure I, I said it right. No, you're good. Uh, you got a deal. And Tonya Shek and Podroom. So if you, for whatever reason, want to chat with us. Uh, on episodes of anything, go to Podroom. Are you not shouting on Terrapin anymore? Oh, yeah. Just curious. I haven't heard it in a little while. I was oh, yeah. Just I kind of forgot it. I never heard right. yeah. And if you want to do anything, uh, if you want to talk to us about whatever or anybody else listen to us, you can go to Podroom and just chat away on there, search for some nobodies, and just say what's up. Also, if you're in the Colorado area or Maryland area or Pennsylvania area or other areas that I forgot while looking at their website, you can go to Terrapin Care Station. Uh, they do some cool stuff, man. Like, my back hurts, if you know. I'm having a hard time with that. And the CBD that they provide is super great. So if you need anything, Care Station by Terrapin will do it. Uh, and sh shout out to Jared Gleason for writing Sputnik, the music you are hearing in the background, and for true. the opening theme. Yeah, he gave us permission once to use it and we're going to keep using that yep, permission. until he rescinds it. <laughs> That's true. If you're still listening, at the end of this, you're going to hear HBO's commercial for episode eight. Other than that, go to somethingbodies.com. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for listening. Take it easy out there. Bye. For those of you who are looking for us on social media, you can find me at Vorpal Words on everything. Yeah, and you can find him at Vorpal Words on everything. Bye. <laughs> All right. <laughs>